I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better and dating safer. They've changed. So you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. That's right. And guess what? We're back. We're back. (laughs) Okay. I thought that's where you were going with this. Together again. I know. Uh, It's very exciting. Although I have to say the energy in this room is low. (laughs) What else is new? (laughs) Honestly, I'm back in the office a couple days a week. And last week, we apologize. We were going to get you a full length episode last week, but then I got COVID. COVID. (laughs) And I will tell you, um, so many people are like, this strain is so mild. It's (laughs) not going to be a problem for you. Not for me. Not for me. I was so sick and I was also so exhausted. That's one of the things that I wasn't really anticipating. It's just like getting up. I've always heard the fatigue is such a big thing. Yeah. I mean, truly like getting up to do anything uh, was just and also the the worst thing the worst thing was the body aches yeah well like I my feel body like those hurt. really go hand in hand that fatigue body ache where you're like I'm in bed and I'm not moving until I absolutely yeah have to. like I managed to like get myself into the bath because I was just like I feel like it's gonna make my body feel better right I managed to like get myself into the bathtub and then like didn't get out like the water was like cold yeah. like I didn't get out for like two hours because oh. I was just like I can't muster the energy to like pull myself up out of the bathtub I remember being that sick when I was little where I would just sit in a tub forever and you would just watch the water go down and down and down you're like well I can't I can't get up and now the cold is kind of paralyzing me to stay here yeah yeah a (laughs) hundred percent goodness well and then I also apologize because 
I'm still having computer problems. I had to pay for some unexpected plane tickets. I don't have a computer yet. So that was also kind of the issue I'm having to share with Max, who takes his computer to work every day. So when I don't have it, I'm fucked. Uh, so I apologize for all of the weird inconveniences for the last, like, I don't know, month and a half that yeah, you've been truly. away or whatever. Uh-huh. We're going to be back to normal now. I'm hoping my brain will reset back to normal now with this routine again. I've missed you so much. I've missed doing this so much. Yeah. It feels weird with life without it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's been a consistent part of our routine for four years. Mm-hmm. So truly. But I mean, I mean, we were just talking about how much we're juggling and how much that I feel like a lot of people are juggling. Like everyone I know has multiple things going right now and it's exhausting. And like, sometimes you just have to say like, I'm not capable of this right now, you know? Uh, And so I am glad that we are back on our routine. You know, uh, we're we're out of eclipse season. I think we're almost out of mercury and retrograde. So maybe things will start to get a little bit more chill Okay. (laughs) Let's hope. Let's hope. Well, and it was also such a different feeling because there was so much going on in the world during this time that we were away. Yeah, we missed a lot. We missed a lot. And I feel like coming together every week is a way for me to process shit, too. And I did a lot of avoiding. Oh, yeah. And I did a lot of not processing. So I think that um, I, I really felt the absence of doing this as kind of the same way that it felt like I missed therapy for a month and a half or something yeah. like that, where it's like, ooh, I need to check in with some stuff that I've really been feeling and struggling with. And we haven't had that space. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, it's important. And I, I've kept myself so busy also where I've just kind of like put things away, like put things in boxes You've and been like, all your stuff. Yeah. I'll deal with that later. Like, you know, I'll deal with our loss of body autonomy later. I'll deal with all of these horrific, uh, mass shootings that are happening later. Like I'll yeah. just package these things away and deal with them later. And it doesn't allow you to have, you know, these kind of like thoughtful moments, uh, that I feel like we have to have. We have to find that balance, right? Because I think sometimes doing this show, especially we can pay too much attention and that's detrimental or can be detrimental, but then not paying any attention at all because you're so absorbed in other things in life. Then when you do pay attention, it's like, whoa, there's like an avalanche of information. And there's a difference between taking in the information by yourself and having a conversation with someone about it. Yeah. You know, I've read so many things, you know, you read other people's opinions and things like that. But then once you have a conversation with somebody who is like minded and that you care about, you know, such as we do, it really does help you put a lot of those opinions that get thrown at you into perspective and helps you kind of filter through how you want to feel about something too. Because for me, at least, I just feel like there's been so much coming at me but mm-hmm. I don't even know how to feel about most of it it's just like hey, yeah, blah, blah. it's oh, the only yeah. thing I can think of like hey, blah. don't ask I don't know I can't I can't cope and I think that once I can actually discuss the things that I've been hearing and learning about that's what helps me start to like process all mm-hmm. of that a little bit better yeah so if you've been missing these what's in the news episodes guess what <laughs> we're back, we're back. <laughs> and I guess uh we should jump in I mean I have 
really nothing good to talk about this week. It's all a bummer. It's all really bad. And, you know, unfortunately, because we haven't done this in a while, I feel like we have a lot backlogged that we want to talk about. I kind of focused on one thing in particular and did a lot of note taking on that. So would you like to get us started with something and we'll go from there? Sure. So, okay, because we've missed so much, I really just picked up I really just picked up from where we are right now uh, because there is so much other stuff to cover. For real. And I also just feel like unless you've been living under a rock, you know about everything <laughs> that has happened uh, in Uvalde and then also in, in Buffalo, New York, when we're talking about these shootings that have been occurring, really have not stopped occurring ever in the history of our country. Right, but uh, the ones that have been highly publicized in the media recently. Right, I mean, and for good reason, because they're truly devastating. Uh, but because I feel like those two incidents, um, horrific, tragic incidents, have kind of been dominating the news cycle recently, I wanted to talk about the latest one, which is that on Wednesday in Tulsa, Oklahoma, we saw meaning the United States, saw its 233rd mass shooting of the year. And this is according to the nonprofit Gun Violence Archive. June 1st, which is the day of that shooting, was the 152nd day of the year. I was just trying to do that math, and I'm like, well, we're not quite halfway through the year yet, I don't Uh believe. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there have been more mass shootings this year than there have been days in the year, uh, which is truly tragic. So shortly after 4.50 p.m. on Wednesday, dispatchers received a call about an active shooter at the Natalie Medical Building of St. Francis Hospital in Tulsa, Oklahoma. When officers arrived to the scene, they could hear shots inside the building. Once inside, they located four gunshot victims as well as the shooter's body. He had died from a self-inflicted wound. According to witnesses, it was, quote, just madness inside with hundreds of rooms and hundreds of people trying to get out of the building. Mm -hmm. I included that because it's such a powerful image. Like, it's a hospital. So you're dealing with sick people. Very vulnerable people. Right. And then just, I can't imagine... I mean, you're stressed if you're in the hospital anyway, whether you're there to visit someone or you're admitted in the hospital or even if you're working there, you know, and I can't imagine hearing gunshots. No. While you're at the hospital, like it's got to be so terrifying. And then all those people trying to figure out a way out. Right. Maybe some of them are hooked up to machines. You're maybe in hospital gowns, like whatever else, you know. Yeah. Um, It's just a really scary image. As usual, pro-gun Republicans are quick to call this a senseless act of violence and hatred without acknowledging the role that easy access to legal guns most certainly played in this event. So the guns that were used in the shooting, one was a handgun and one was an AR-15 style semi-automatic rifle, Mm -hmm. were both purchased legally just before the event took place. The AR-15 was actually purchased only like an hour and some change before the shooting. Oh, Just that's how easy. I mean, it's Oklahoma. So I'm very acquainted because Oklahoma is so close to where I'm from in Missouri. Right. It would be so easy 
to yeah. get to get a weapon in Oklahoma. I can't speak from experience. So I'm just going to go by what you and Max also speaks very ill of Oklahoma being from Texas. So well, I'll just look. I'll just listen to y'all. I'm not going to say any Texas which way. has its own problems for real. <laughs> oh, for real. Uh, but Oklahoma and listen, I know again, every time we talk about a state, I feel like we have to be like we know we have listeners from that state. We not know it's not all bad. All bad. Yeah. Um, but I will say some of the most overtly racist stuff to happen to me happened to me in Oklahoma. So hmm. kind of, you know. Let's log that away. Yeah, Let's just remember that. Going to file that away for now. Uh, but also, yeah, I mean, I just know that entire region. I'm very, like, intimately acquainted Tulsa is really, I think it's only like five hours away from a drive from where I'm from. So mm. um, that whole region and how it feels about guns, it's it's intricately woven into the culture. Very much so. The South, I feel like, has a lot of sentimental attachment to its guns and weaponry yeah. throughout history. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Uh, and obviously, I mean, he was able to purchase... The handgun, I think, a couple of days before the shooting, and then the AR-15, literally an hour. I mean, the handgun is one thing. I'm not saying people should be able to just easily access handguns either, but an AR-15 being that accessible, I will never, ever, ever, ever be able to wrap my head around how easy it is to get that kind of weapon. Right. Um, Well, there's just, in my view, as someone who has shot an AR-15, um, I'm scared. No, there's just no reason for it. Like, there's no reason for it. And like, I've shot one because I know people who own them, who were able to get them um, basically for fun, because that's you only get them for one of two reasons for fun, because you think it's fun to shoot a gun, which fine it, you know, it can be uh, or to cause serious damage. Be, to cause harm. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's the only reason you're not shooting animals with an AR-15 style automatic no, weapon. No, that would be like, pointless. Yeah, you're not doing that. So, um, and, and like I said, I've shot them so I know how easy it is to get them because mm. I know people who own them. I have never shot a gun. I'm, I've been in the same room as a gun many times. It makes me, I won't even touch one. I'm like very averse to it. I'm terrified. I yeah, I mean that's fine. Definitely. Yeah, I mean that. I'm not I'm not mad at it. Like it's totally fine. It's just a, it's but there's a no thing. Re- there's no reason for you to. No. I mean I don't. I don't feel like I'm missing out on. Anything I know out lots there. of good people who wouldn't ever harm anybody who enjoy shooting guns. I don't right. think that enjoying shooting a gun means that you're inherently violent or dangerous. No, I think that it's a, it kind of goes in hand with anybody who's like for lack of a better term, like an adrenaline junkie or right. something like, like that. Like I else. can understand why that like that fear is part of the fun in it. Just for me personally, it just scares the bejesus out of me. So I'm not going to partake in that activity. Right. Well, and the, but that's the fine. point remains that like while owning a gun and liking to shoot guns isn't inherently dangerous or indicative of anything super dark or violent. Access to it should not be this easy. Exactly. Yeah. It just shouldn't be. I, I can't wrap my head around it, truly, because what you just said is 100% true. There's there's really only two reasons to have it, and we can't always trust that everyone wanting to buy an automatic weapon is there for funsies. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. that we can't just bank on that well, and then obviously, an hour yeah. later, you know, I could just it, to me, that's the most blatant example of why 
we need tighter gun control laws. Well, I mean, yes. I mean, the New York Times, who after the Ovalde um, shooting on their front page, it was just like, this shooting legally obtained a weapon. This shooting legally yeah. obtained a weapon. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. Yeah. Is that like you can say, and it's always the argument that I see with, you know, pro gun people is that like if if wep- if criminals want to find weapons, they will. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe. But, but they're not. They're increase, getting them legally. But they're not. They're getting them legally. You could increase the difficulty and it will stop at least a couple it will because not everybody's going to be that committed yeah to getting a weapon like i learned very recently that new york state has very tight gun laws and that's why you don't see or maybe it's new york city i can't remember but i guess that that's why you don't see as many mass shootings coming out of those certain areas when it comes to like school shootings and things like that obviously there's other like crime and things like that Mm -hmm. in new york city and stuff like that but, you know, there are and then I mean, you talk about all the other countries in the world that have had one mass shooting and they're like, oh, shit, we better do something about this immediately do something about it. And then they don't really have the problem anymore. Right, You have to change the culture. That's yeah. the thing. It's like, yes, people still drive without their seatbelts fastened. They do people it all the time. People are going to drunk drive. Right. They're- people are going to drive drunk. Right. Even though those things are illegal, like people are still going to do it. But if you make it, if you make a culture that says that those things aren't OK, are people less likely to do it? If you make it part of the culture where every time you get in a car, you just instinctively buckle up, are people more likely to buckle up? Yeah. Like, yes, because it's part of our culture. So change the culture around guns and gun ownership and what it takes to get a gun. Like, I feel like we've been saying the same thing for a million years. It's what But it's just like, how are you going? Like, how on earth is that culture going to change when the other side of the aisle is so has so firmly dug their heels into the ground and what they believe. Like right. there, and there is no way, there's no leeway there for the culture to change because it is so deeply rooted. It's almost like a religious experience for some people of like how deeply rooted this right to bear arms yes. is to them. I don't see how well, we can convince them otherwise. And you have to look at why that's so deeply rooted in them. It's so deeply rooted in them because of gun lobbies and the NRA and the politicians who they fund money I mean, money and power baby. yeah that's really what the problem is yeah. i mean because the culture could change those people i know those people right like that's i've been with those people for a month and a half like i know i know those people and they feel very strongly however they don't really have any power in this situation yes they have power to vote but the real problem is that you have the ted cruises of the world uh who can't afford in quotes to go against the NRA and gun lobbies and they will continue at the expense of the lives of our children uh our elderly uh marginalized communities vulnerable in hospitals Mm -hmm. the list goes on they will continue to come up with any excuse yeah other than I mean I heard today and I didn't have time to research this because it was right before we started recording uh, but they just passed something in Ohio that would allow teachers to carry weapons yeah because that's guns in particular because that's really gonna help the problem yeah have more guns around our kids in schools yeah that's it just doesn't I, make any sense I'm thinking about all of my like grade school teachers like I don't want any of them having guns absolutely like, not sweet old Mrs. Quast like no thank well, you and what if they're not sweet like we act like teachers can't go postal I've told you about the the 
a veteran that was my science teacher that would like give the guys shitty haircuts if their ear- hair touched their ears. Like I know I've talked about it on the show before. Like he would have been scary. Like I've definitely had some like freaky yeah, teachers where it's we, like, I don't want you to have a gun. Are we going to start raising the barrier to teachers being able to qualify for what? Like, are you gonna? Are we gonna be paying for training for teachers to be carrying? Are these we gonna guns? pay them more money because teachers make no money? And we're, so, like, are we gonna? We really are putting a hell of a uh-huh. lot on our teachers. Yeah, are they gonna get hazard pay now? Like, it's just, it's so, it's so ridiculous. Yeah. Why is the solution around literal children? Okay, I would. You with what you just said about like you having a fear of guns, would you feel comfortable, not even with your own children, with the kids you nanny? No. Would you feel okay with there being a gun in the classroom? No, 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 no. Like any of those even kids. Even if it's in a safe. I don't know. There's just, but very much for me as the principal of it as well. Like I would just be very, very aware of it. Um, yeah. It just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't it make does. any sense. Um. So back to this, back to the shooting. Uh, the victims were two doctors, a receptionist, and a patient. The patient who died was reportedly killed while holding a door closed so that others could escape. Always. Mm-hmm. Always one of those goddamn heroes. My goodness. And he was a patient. A patient. So there were two doctors, a receptionist. Yeah. Who's just there I'm trying sure to... she was right front and center when you go come in the door, you know? The supposed target was a doctor who had performed surgery on the shooter on May 19th, and um, the shooter had intended to kill the doctor and anyone who got in his way. It's just, it's awful. It just never stops. And uh, Biden, President Biden, called on Congress on the day we're recording this, so Thursday, to take action on gun control. He did a, you know, statement, Another press conference. Spiel. Yeah including enacting a ban on assault weapons, tougher background check laws, and a higher minimum age of purchase. These are all common sense gun laws that I feel like we've been talking about. I just, I feel like... You just want to shake somebody. Well, I just, and I posted to my stories on Instagram the night of uh, the Rob Elementary shooting. I posted a picture from when we went to the March on Our Lives, which was like four years ago. Yeah. It's just, what else is there to say? It's just the yeah, same thing over and over. There was a very, very moving speech that Emma Gonzalez, who was one of the survivors of the Parkland shooting, gave as well after that shooting. And I have to be completely honest and upfront here. I have not done a whole lot of reading on the Rob no. Elementary shooting. Yeah. It is incredibly triggering to me. I think especially working with kids, even even seeing the children that talk about seeing their friends or their teacher like I it gets it breaks me yeah to the point where I I feel very ignorant to this whole situation in a big way like I I know the basic facts but there's so much imagery and videos and stuff that it it literally breaks me every time I'm I'm confronted with it I can't I can't deal with how children can be so uncared for. Well, and that it just doesn't matter. I mean, we saw it with Sandy Hook and we're seeing it again now where it's like I mean, my God, it's been 10 years. Elementary school children and we don't care. Like, we're just showing over and over again that as a nation, we don't care if literal children have to face this. Yeah, our guns are more important. It is just the most... We're not capable of of comprehending it. I just don't think... There's just, and it's why it's been very difficult for me because both of us, I feel like our minds go into fix it, 
how can we fix it? What can we do to fix it? And there's just nothing. And then our minds go into despair. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we just have to try and um, find the little things that we can do and try to do those things. Uh, But it's, it's difficult, you know. So the future of gun control legislation in Congress does remain uncertain. The House Judiciary Committee approved a wide-ranging bill that would likely pass the Democratic-controlled House, but wouldn't overcome a Republican-led filibuster in the Senate. So we're kind of like, well... Well, where can we go from here? Yeah. So uh, anyway, welcome back. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. (laughs) Um, So I wanted to discuss something that I have a feeling that if somebody hasn't already brought it up to us somewhere in our inbox, it probably would be brought up very soon. I did want to touch on the Depp Heard trial. I knew trial it. A I knew bit. it. I know. I'm sorry. It, And it's something that this is an example of what I feel like I need to talk through it with you and with everybody. I need to get my thoughts out. I need to get the information that I've been receiving out. I need to get a lot of anger out. Okay. I'm angry. (laughs) I'm angry for a lot of reasons. I have to start this by saying, you know, I think the biggest question on a lot of people's minds throughout this trial and now that the verdict is out in favor of Depp, a lot of people have a question of what is this going to do to Mm -hmm. survivors of domestic violence? Oh, yeah. The precedent has been set. Um, I've really avoided talking about this issue because... In my view, uh, they're both pretty messy people. Yes. Um, and it's it's a very difficult thing to discuss. And that's why I think the whole idea that this was 
live streamed, talked about. I want to mention the fact that it's very rare for a case involving domestic abuse to be live streamed or televised in this way where we would be getting this many details. We're also dealing with somebody who, well, Johnny Depp is one of the biggest movie stars of our generation. He's been a movie star since like what the late the 80s. 80s. Yeah. I mean, he's been around forever. He is a household name. He is beloved. Amber Heard is, you know, probably a little lower on the star mm-hmm. yeah. spectrum, whatever. But still, these are two Hollywood celebrities. And it's really made this case into something that is so gross and disgusting. Um, yeah. The I'm, way, yeah. The way that the trial has been handled especially in social media is really disturbing Mm -hmm. so I'm not here to talk about you know whether Amber's right or Johnny's right or whatever because I don't think that's even our place I don't that's not necessarily even what the trial was about um but I do think that there are some things that are important to discuss especially when it comes to Uh, just kind of the role in society and how we've really kind of failed during this trial. For example, with the difference in support for the two, social media showed their obvious support to Johnny Depp Mm -hmm. with the hashtag justice for Johnny Depp having 15 billion views and hashtag I stand with Amber Heard only having 8 million by Mm -hmm. comparison. Amber was accused of lying about her abuse, doctoring photos, and her alleged injuries, as well as painting on artificial bruises. There's also a rumor going around, which I didn't hear about until I was doing research for this, that some of the social media content going around against Amber had been paid for by conservative websites. Had you heard this? I hadn't heard this. I mean, but this is why I really didn't want to take a strong... I didn't want to absorb all this information that I was getting on social media as fact uh, because of this, right? Because I, I just, I find it so difficult because of course, when we, I think having a conversation about men and domestic abuse and them being the victims of domestic abuse I think it's really important to have that conversation Mm -hmm. and it's good that this trial and this whole situation has opened us up to having that conversation right Right. but then there's other points where right but then on the other hand I mean you just saw this really vicious thing come out in people um towards Amber Amber Heard yeah where look she Definitely seems like she's a person with some issues. Definitely seems like the way that she treated Johnny Depp in their relationship was not good. There's a lot of evidence um, that she was abusive. But there's also a lot of evidence, you know, that Johnny was not everything that he's claiming to be either. You know, he... On, on the stand, described himself as a Southern gentleman that respects women, but then there was evidence in the case where he was texting his fellow actor, Paul Bettany, where he called Amber a, quote, worthless hooker, and that he wanted to, quote, smack the ugly cunt around, along with joking about raping and burning her dead body. Trigger warning, sorry. But, like, when I'm thinking about these texts, I'm like, isn't it text messages that got rid of Army Hammer? There was no physical evidence. We saw the text that Army Hammer made, and that was enough for us to take it seriously. 
And then you hear these really, really ugly texts that Johnny mm-hmm. Depp has made. And people have just like conveniently decided to forget right. this. Well, I, yeah, I definitely think people have decided to forget it or um, not acknowledge it. Uh, but I think it's also, it speaks to we have video, I mean, or we have audio recordings of Amber Heard saying some really horrible things. This is the problem with this entire situation is that both of these people, this relationship was a toxic, violent relationship. Totally. Nobody comes out looking good from this. And I feel like there was a lot of work done on social media to make Johnny Depp look better than Amber Heard. But if you really take a look at all of it, it looks ugly and messy and gross. The whole thing made me feel really, really gross the whole time. You know, yeah. every, every once in a while, there would be a meme that wouldn't be like disgusting that I'd chuckle at there or whatever. There were a few things but, like, I chuckled at as well. You of know, course. here and there, there's a little where you're like, huh, funny. Um, but for the most part, it just, it made me want to look away. But, but what does that say about us as a society that we want to consume this? Like, That's we my consume- whole point. I just think that this whole viral shenanigans involving this whole case is so disgusting and really we all need to look ourselves in the mirror a little bit but you brought up a really good point that I wanted to mention because I've used a certain phrase on this podcast many times before and I have been educated so I've described this relationship in particular in the past as being mutually abusive Mm -hmm. and I've been told that that is actually very harmful to say like that term or whatever I get I can see where maybe a toxic relationship because you're not you're putting honus on the whole relationship and not necessarily the people so this is what okay. it says um a woman named and I'm, i apologize if i butcher the name Wagatwi Wanjuki, who is an anti-violence advocate, states that the term is dangerous because, quote, it doesn't exist. At the core of an abusive relationship is a power imbalance that is created and sustained by a pattern of domination and control. Spreading this term is a gift to abusers because it distorts the true nature of the relationship by minimizing what they've done. So I find it interesting because... I can understand that because you're you're placing blame on both people. And when you place blame on both people, it kind of takes the blame off of both of them in a way. And I can see where an abuser could take that and use that as a particular tactic. But that wasn't something that I was aware would necessarily yeah, it's, be seen it's interesting. in that way. It's something that I think I'm going to need to sit with and yeah. really think about because in my view, just very much as a um, not smart person, in my view, looking at it, they do both seem abusive. Like, like, right. It seems like they are both doing things that are abusive to each other. But there was something that she was talking about within the, the power dynamics. It sounded like it was almost talking about where, where the other person's abuse come, comes from. It it seemed messy to me. And so I'm not, I'm not speaking on any of this. Like, this is like solid information, but it's, to me, it's interesting just because I felt so. I don't know if I agree. I think I'd have to really think about it because I don't know if I would agree because I think I agree with certain ideas of like how, how certain words can be portrayed in certain ways, or maybe something like toxic relationship could be a better way of saying it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I can see that, that there might be a better way of stating it because in my view, what she's saying, and maybe I'm misinterpreting or misunderstanding, but what she's saying is that one person is always more abusive or that the other person's abuse is excused because their abuse is 
coming from being abused. Right. Um, which I don't know if I feel comfortable opening that door of saying like, well, this person was abusive to you first. So that excuses all the abuse you do to them. 100%. Which it, that's, to me, that's it what kind it feels of seems like, like um, it's, it's an eye for an eye in both mm-hmm. situations. I feel like if you're placing blame on both parties when really only one party is to blame, um, you're you're not giving the proper, not credit, but you're you're not looking at it in in the right okay. way. Okay, I mean, I I can understand but I just that. Think, I just thought it was interesting because mm-hmm. it's something that I've said a lot. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so I I never heard it like that. So I, yeah. I found that really interesting. Um, but there was also a legal analyst that I was uh, reading from. She spoke to Insider. Her name was Naomi Ramani, who is the president of West Coast Trial Lawyers. She said that Amber lost because she had a, quote, credibility problem. (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, and I'm not here to defend Amber Heard in any way. I did watch some of her testimony. Uh, it's and great. it feels it rings false. I think yeah. that there's something in us where we watch someone and we just say, mm, don't buy that. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, and then there was also things that she very clearly, you she know, lied about. Yeah. And, yeah. and was caught. Yeah, and she in talked that. in circles. She changed her story. There were a lot of things. Well, yeah. you know, claiming that she didn't leak the video to TMZ. She wouldn't even know how to leak it. But then later on saying, if I wanted to leak it, I would have done it in a better way. You know what I mean? And then talking about, you know, tipping off the paparazzi when she was going to get the restraining. You know, there's right. all when these by, different... When by contrast, you have someone like Johnny Depp who comes across very sincere well, no matter what. Well, and he's sitting cool you know. as a cucumber mm-hmm. eating candy, which also, you know, people have kind of taken that as being like a, oh, look at, like, he's not even worried. He's so cool. I think you could also kind of take that, like, flip it around. And if Amber had behaved that way, I think that society would have had a really big problem with her acting that way throughout the trial, being so nonchalant and things like that. Like, I think that it's also a bit disrespectful in a way you know I think the whole trial was a bit of a show yeah there were everybody seemed like they mm -hmm. were performing for there were double standards for sure happening um again not at all taking sides in this I I just am not gonna do it because I'm just hashtag team neither yeah yeah (laughs) hashtag not involved (laughs) hashtag everybody mind their own business right like Gosh, gosh, <laughs> leave them alone. Don't bother me anymore. Like, but. it's okay. Like, having the defamation suit, truly, like, if you feel righteous in that, and this is something that I we talked about this years ago when it happened, before we knew all of the stuff with Amber Heard, um, and she was really into that um, face of me too. I am solely just a victim in this. I've never done anything wrong. Kind yeah. of like perfect angel persona, right? Like, when we... We, we talked about this then and it did have major effects on Johnny Depp's life and his career. And so from that perspective, I'm like, sure, if you have a defamation suit, if you didn't do anything and like that's it, it is messed up your life. Um, but doing it in the public eye in this way really feels just it wasn't televised. so like squicky and like weird. And it has opened up the door. I mean, now 
Um, you have Evan Rachel Wood, who has been very vocal about her relationship with Marilyn Manson and how abusive it was. And it has been backed up by other people he's dated and other people who know Marilyn Manson who right. said, yeah, he's an abusive asshole, right? And she's made this documentary about it and she's been very upfront about it. And now he is suing her for defamation. Right. And so we have a new precedent here because of the outcome of this trial, because of how public it was that I do think something that was already monumentally difficult, which is for domestic violence victims and sexual assault victims, um, people who have been victimized by their partner, specifically women and women identifying people, um, are going to have an even harder time because of this. And I'm not saying that Johnny Depp doesn't deserve justice, if that's no, what's happened but here, but it it definitely has created... Well, it's it's entered the public sphere in a way of be, of being like a thing now it's a saying, thing that's gonna happen like right, we, you said you know what i mean society where, already defaulted to women are lying and right, now and it's, it's made we have it's made women proof not want to share their stories and talk about yeah. it because if you say the name or you talk about a certain thing it's the same reason why harvey weinstein got away with shit for so long with all the ndas and things like that it's all about this fear of silencing people so that they won't come forward and unfortunately amber heard's whole goal of being a part of the Me Too movement has actually just kind of turned around and slapped us all in the face. Yeah. Truly. Like this whole situation pisses me off. I I needed to talk about it because I feel like there's been so much laughter surrounding it and ridiculousness and there's been so much not sitting well with me that it's been a very frustrating six weeks <laughs> of sure. social media yeah, <laughs> watching absolutely. everything. Absolutely. But, yeah, uh, I mean, I'm glad you brought it up. I really didn't want to talk about it. I know, you um, keep saying that. I'm like, sorry. No, it's okay. I wanted to talk about it. <laughs> it's important to talk about it. I, I think that we should have these discussions because it's so complicated. It's so nuanced because... Yeah, we need to take domestic violence against men more seriously, um, certainly. And we need to recognize that there can be women in relationships who instigate violence, um, who contribute to really toxic situations. Yeah, there's many, many, many ways to be violent just like there's many ways for a man to be violent to a, wo- a woman there's many ways for a woman to be violent with a man you can't just look at their right. stature and we, or should, things, you know? and we should look at that right yeah. and I think that that's important the unfortunate thing about this situation because I'm not even willing to say that the courts got it wrong like I don't I didn't watch a trial I'm well, not willing honestly, to say that they I got don't it wrong know. I think that it so was just about the jury's opinion because there's no way that we're ever going to get to the truth of what happened in that relationship you know what I mean there's no truth being told told here you know there's just some evidence yeah i mean there's yeah we can't go into all of it (laughs) i mean there 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 are things i mean you can't admit on audio recordings that you've thrown things at somebody that you hit them that you've like done those things and not expect that that looks Amber looks really bad. She does look really it bad. It looks really bad. It you know what I mean? Really bad. Uh, so it's, I, I'm not people. even willing to say that the, the jury necessarily got it wrong. I'm just looking at the wider implications of what this means in a patriarchal society that already hates women and already doesn't want to believe victims. Yeah. Um, and now every time something like this happens, or uh, I think what happened at Duke, um, anytime these kinds of things happen, there's going to be one more thing that people point to and they say, well, we have one more reason to not ever believe anything that yeah. any domestic violence victim 
ever says. Right. So, ugh. Everything sucks. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, do you want to get to something else or should we wrap it up? No, I think we can wrap it up. Um, we really, gosh, we haven't spoken about the news in so long. I feel like we got in. We got it in. We got in. I feel like we could have gone for like at least another hour still. We probably could have. But we will go easy on you, dear listener, because this was heavy. Hi. We talked about some pretty heavy stuff on our first week back to the news. We did. We did indeed. Well, I also just want to pop in and say happy Pride Month to everybody. If you'd like to check out our merch, you can go to the link in our bio on our Instagram page or follow the link in the show notes wherever you're listening to us right now. If you want to send in any future topics for us to cover on the show, go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram at angry neighborhood feminist. We have a Facebook business and group page. You can rate and review us on the business page and chat with the other listeners in the group page. And last but certainly not least, if you love us and you want to show us some support, you can hop on over to that Apple Podcast app and leave us a five-star review with a quick sentence about why you enjoy the show. That's all we have for you today. With all of that being said, we encourage you to, to rage on. on. Bye! Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.